0: Chapter Sixteen of Scilly and Its Legends by Henry John Whitfeld. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Timothy Ferguson. Popular superstitions; these are not rife in SILLY. There is in the islands as little of romance and as much of matter of fact and of commonplace as would be looked for in a Manchester mill. In fact, the sentimental is discouraged and the practical set up in its place. Until the lovers of the marvelous find themselves quite out of their element and very much in the position of a friend of mine who had lost his head-groom a clever but wicked fellow and who remarked to a hanger-on in the stables that tom had gone to the devil at last lord sir replied the worthy supernumerary does a great gentleman like you believe in the devil i have remarked before that the absence of ghostly legends is a strong proof of the change of race in these islands it has always been so the longabard or ailman never troubled himself with the apparitions of his roman predecessors the arab knew nothing of gothic marvels beyond the story of count julian and Lacava. the norman warriors sneered at and buried in oblivion the saxon hobgoblins of croyland or of ellie all the tales of irish spectres belonged to the fanshaws and the berensfords to the lords of the pale and thus it is with scilly the whole population dates no further back than the days of cromwell it is entirely modern having its tales of horror indeed but relating only to smuggling and wrecking and disasters akin to them the most remote of these dark scenes scarcely remounts up to a period of a hundred years ago the shades of the departed race that peopled these rocks when they formed a wide and smiling land may hover around the heaths on which we see their tombs and circles and altars but the eye of modern unbelief beholds them not the voice of no descendant records their exploits the song that celebrated them and the hearts in which that song found an echo are alike cold and still the only part of the islands in which i have met with any spectral records of respectable antiquity is tresco i stumbled there by mere chance upon a trace of some ghosts with a pretence to a decent ancestry they would be held in little respect by such persons as the worthy Gale who on hearing the name of a countryman mentioned replied contemptuously pooh that upstart only came in with finagle in fact the oldest of my spirits is supported by the high authority of the great-grandfather of my informant so after all the revenant is only a visitor of yesterday and may well be ashamed of his shadowy pedigree where Tresco abbey now stands there stood formerly a religious establishment this was plundered at the reformation and had the finishing touch put to its tale of ruin at the great rebellion on its site and resting against the walls of the old church four or five cottages gradually arose built of the consecrated materials intruders upon the hallowed ground and forming by the scenes perpetrated in them and by the characters of their occupants a fearful contrast to the memory of what had once existed there the principal inhabitants of these cabins all belonged to a family now i believe extinct but in those days rather numerous one of them was in two ways distinguished from his neighbours he was pre-eminent for wickedness even in those times of piracy and plunder and for his faculty of seeing supernatural appearances he was even visited as my informant worded it by the evil one himself for i observed that a true solonian like a real celt never mentioned satan by name just as an Irishman speaks of the good people, that is, the fairies. Now Dick the Wicked, who dwelt in the desolation of the sacred precincts, feared neither their associations nor the remembrance of deeds of strife and violence since committed there. He was a man, it was said, who defied all agencies, human, diabolical, and divine. His life had been spent in the midst of lawless deeds, and he had grown old and infirm in the quiet nook, whose blessed influences had never moved his spirit to aught but a revolting jest. It was his boast that he had been often met face to face by those who were not of earth. Near the spot where the present farm building stood, some tale was told of a poor shipwrecked Dutchman who was murdered and buried in the sandbank. Footnote. The islanders refused burial in consecrated ground to those cast ashore from wrecks. The bodies of all who died in this manner were interred in the sand or on the downs. Many little cairns or heaps of stones mark the sites of these hasty graves footnote ends people feared to visit the spot after nightfall but the old wrecker had no such scruples often he said when he passed the form of the dead man was seen pacing gloomily up and down by the side of the present road he never spoke nor when spoken to did he reply but moved silently onward and at the end of his beat turned back again the path to the ruins then mounted over the abbey hill the old sailor was once going along it when he suddenly encountered the apparition of a deceased person whom he had known. There is an idea prevalent that a ghost on meeting any one always takes the right hand. It did so on this occasion. The fiery blood of Dick the Wicked was up in a moment. "'What?' said he. "'Dost thou take the right hand of me?' The shade answered not, but turned and followed him to his door, and there only left him. On another occasion he was passing through the burial-ground and entering his house, And there he remembered him an ancient comrade in his wildest scenes, who had now gone to his account and was sleeping quietly in the turf beneath his feet. It appears that they had often in former days spoken of one of them, in case of death, visiting the survivor. As yet the promise made by him that was departed was unfulfilled. Dick was pondering these old passages of his early life, and as he crossed his threshold he called out, "'Johnny, Johnny, wilt thou not keep thy word?' Even as he spoke, there was a report like thunder, so terrible that his hat, as it were, rose upon his bristling hair, while it stiffened with intense horror. And in that fearful sound, his friend's voice seemed to reply. It appeared to shake the walls and the roof until they trembled again. Many times he heard calls in the night, and an invisible hand moved his clothes and his squalid furniture about. At last, after innumerable glimpses of spiritual life and communings with the dwellers in another world, Dick one night received a still darker summons. He had been long bedridden, but was neither cured of evil passions nor converted from his evil ways. One midnight some visitant, at whom it was impossible to do more than guess, entered his room. Next morning he was found, wrapped in a long loose coat, which he was in the habit of wearing, at a considerable distance from his house. It was whispered that one, scarcely more wicked than himself, had thus essayed to bear him bodily away. He died soon after, believing that Satan had been the agent in this mysterious fitting, but fearless and hardened to the last. His son was the last of the family who possessed this sort of second sight. He was rather an improvement on his father, but still was evidently no great shakes. One evening he brought his horse down to an outbuilding in the churchyard and was engaged in foddering it, when he felt the animal start and tremble violently. He looked up and saw, standing on the hedge, that is, the wall, the figure of a man pale, grim, and stern, clad in antique garb and wearing on its head a three-cornered hat. He turned away in terror, and leaving the animal tethered, as he thought securely, walked to his own abode. But the presence of the unearthly was too much for the poor beast. By a strong and sudden effort it broke the halter, and was at its master's door as soon as he... Some years ago, when the cabins yet stood about the haunted churchyard and the whole place possessed that evil reputation, which it is scarcely lost, some young men were strolling among the tombs and jesting lightly, and in a scoffing manner, respecting the terrors of other times. One of them, bolder and more careless than the rest, uttered a sort of invocation or defiance against the shadows that were supposed to claim the consecrated precincts for their inheritance. He had just uttered the words of the psalm as wind blows chaff away, so in the presence of the lord the wicked shall decay. When a sudden burst as of thunder was heard above and around, enveloping, as it appeared, the scorner himself, and lifting from his head his hat, which was whirled round and dashed against the wall, the electric shock, or whatever it might be, made a great impression on the thoughtless party, and sent them away frightened indeed, if not cured. The old man who died lately, aged ninety-six, at Briar, was said to see visions. His wife, who had departed this life long years ago, came to his bed, as he believed every night, with many an appearance of glory, and angelic shapes and spirits from another world. The patriarch was evidently held in respect among his children and his children's children. The shadows and the mysteries of an age gone by seemed to invest him with a peculiar sanctity, and to give him the ghostly privileges which are denied to the stern and practical habits of today. Witches are a Salonian article of faith, formerly they were said to swarm at tresco the son of dick the wicked got a taste of their quality that he found somewhat unpalatable walking one evening near the present farm buildings he beheld five old women of the true sort for hopkins the witch finder executing by moonlight a kind of demon dance and riding as it were on sticks that were placed after the fashion of children's hobby horses between their legs he came upon their ghastly merriment unawares all at once the sport stopped one of them a virago of his own blood called to him by name and bade him go home and see that he spoke to none what he had beheld but the poor man in his horror almost lost his senses and either forgot or disregarded the injunction for he related the occurrence to his wife in case of disobedience he had been threatened with a mark of their wrath which he should bear to his grave he had long black hair when he got up next morning it was white as snow again one of the same brood came down one day to a neighbour's house and tried to sell him a sheep and a lamb but the price asked was so exorbitant that the farmer refused to deal the old woman departed muttering strangely that evening a choice ram belonging to the poor man died another of the flock followed daily till ruin stared him in the face at last he went off to consult a weird sister on the course he should pursue she advised him to kindle a huge fire and to burn the next animal that died the holocaust was soon ready for on going to the field he found a ewe cold and stiff he lighted a large pile of furs and placed the sheep upon it as the flames blazed up he raised his eyes and saw close to him upon the hedge wrapped in her little red cloak and grinning diabolically the hag the cause of all this mischief though she was then bodily in her own house and from that time the plague was stayed in the old days of wrecking and of worse deeds many crimes were committed that might well be supposed to bring back the victim the scene of his sufferings and his wrongs. About sixty years ago a large merchantman was captured by a pirate and afterwards retaken, and brought into Scilly. She lay alongside the old pier, one who was then a youth and whose daughter told me the story went on board. She had no middle deck. As he was looking through the cracks in the partition, where it would have been, had there been one, he saw what seemed to be a kind of hen-coop, newly painted green, and against it was a figure of a gentleman, dressed in a dark suit with high boots, and falling lace collar, and a three-cornered cocked hat on his head. The lad looked long and earnestly to make sure of the fact. Then he mentioned it, and inquiry was made, but nothing could be seen or heard of the shadowy visitant. There was no speech nor language that told its tale. Some years afterwards the youth had become a man, and was in the service of the State. Another vessel was brought into port under suspicious circumstances, and he, with a brother officer, was placed in charge of her it was his watch and he seat one evening in the state cabin as he thought alone opposite to him was a large chair apparently empty as he gazed on it mechanically he saw in it the figure of a gentleman richly habited holding in his hand an instrument of music and on his knees sat a little boy who was playing with him and clasping his neck as he stared upon the apparition the beholder's hair stiffened with agony and his senses were strung to such a pitch of unearthly tension that his ears as he expressed it seemed to open to his brain and he heard the first footfall of his companion who was then coming to relieve him even as it touched the key he was found in a state of ineffable terror by his comrade but the intruder upon his vigils had done its errand and was gone these superstitions are rude and coarse and simple but they illustrate the state of salonian life at the period when they occurred It was an age of universal barbarism, when there was so little law that the crew of a vessel, manned chiefly by Irish, landed, and having had a row with the islanders, swore to exterminate every soul in the place. The people fled in their boats, and the crew of a second vessel was brought on shore and employed to reduce the Hibernians to submission. In those days, both here and in Cornwall, lanterns were fastened to the horns of cows, which were sent at night to the beach as a beacon to mislead unwary pilots.' Some of the tales connected with these times are terrible. In one case, a poor wretch, who had escaped from a wreck and had clung fast to a rock, offered a large sum of gold to the crew of a boat from St Agnes as price for his rescue. The children of St O'own made him give his money up and then left him to die. In another, a friend and associate, from the upsetting of his craft, had been flung into the sea and had managed to swim to a point in the waves.' His companions came near him and threw out their grapnel so as to swing round to the spot where he was, but the current ran strongly, the gale blew fiercely, and there seemed a good chance of losing their grapnel, so they hauled it up and pulled away, and the poor fellow was, as they expected, drowned. The men in the boat were of one family, and for this act, which was umpu Troffor, even for St Agnes, they got a surname indicative of cruelty, which their descendants bear to this day there was in the south of france a place called carpentras the inhabitants of which are what those of st agnes only were barbarous and uncivilised i heard the other day of a story of them so very applicable to the silly of other and wilder days as well as to its parsons that i cannot help giving it here premising that it loses half its force by not being told in a broad languedocyan accent le cure du Carpentre petit homme meg faisant un saumant et Se du malgré ces instances réitérées ils occupant du plus d'allieux cabaret qui priandria. le prieur et dans son eloquence villageoise et madrénale Il s'écria savez-vous ce qui arrive de tout cela mon frère le dieu du jugement donné de ses danses en petit Con et le bon dieu midera dira piste piste pete cura de capentra. qu'avez-vous fait des vous savez vous ce qu'elle lui non vous ne le savez pas eh bien je lui dirai signor bett vous me le avez donné bett i do not know whether carpentress remains unchanged since the delivery of that sermon but the differences wrought by the last few years in scilly and the Salonians is little less than miraculous i came hither like every one else full of prejudices looking to find only a poor assemblage of fishermen and prepared to pass a lenient judgment upon habits contrary to those of civilized life i met with order subordination improvement with progress unexpected as it was unexampled and with a state of social and intellectual culture strange indeed and marvellous in a place so lately abandoned to pauperism and to crime the shadow of time has rested heavily upon these fair islands the sea has conquered from them many a rood of smiling land the dwellers on their shores waxed few and feeble, they became, as it were, the inheritance of the wild man, whose hand was against his fellow, and whose life was a life of violence and of blood. The dark and melancholy spirit of those days is fled with the ignorance from which it sprung. All is now pleasantness and peace. In the midst of the comfort and prosperity so visible around, a Salonian pastor might reverse the sarcasm of the curé de Carpentras, and to say truly of his flock, Hirovu me la avedance Hirojevu le ron End of chapter recording by Timothy Ferguson Gold Coast Australia